0: I love to teach others how to implement top recommendations for health, happiness, and success. Yes, busy moms can follow a nutrition plan that supports their goals, create a daily exercise routine, and stay on top of their to-do list, and go to bed feeling fantastic about the day. Tune in each week as I share my best strategies for creating and sustaining daily habits for a healthy lifestyle, and chat with other experts in the health and wellness industry. Now on to this week's episode everyone and welcome to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Carol Perlman and I'm so glad that you have joined me for another episode. I am so, I mean, I always say I'm excited for every guest, but I am just honored to have today's guest, Nicole Blassie. Um, we are going to learn a lot today and I'm super excited. So welcome, Nicole. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you are here today. Nicole has taught me just so much and I know that there a lot of what I've learned from Nicole a lot of people don't know about and I am so excited to share that information today. So let's start with an introduction. I mean, I've known Nicole for a couple of years now and um She's just such a wealth of information. So tell us a little bit (laughs) about yourself um, and how you got into the coaching that you're doing now. Okay. Well, let's see.
1: I have been a personal trainer and nutrition coach for probably a little over 20 years. I started off as a professional dancer. I was a ballerina and got injured and found found strength training during my healing process. And Like, kind of fell into a whole different career. Um, And here I am years later, still doing and loving this industry. So, I let's see, I've worked in maybe three or four different health clubs. I owned my own personal training studio for seven years. Um, And then now you and I have met through Eat Right Nutrition. Uh, We have a podcast as well. And we are a nutrition education company as well as a coaching company. And that's a very short (laughs)
0: yes, skimming the surface. So you work one on one. I mean, I know you do a a lot, a lot of varied projects. So you work one-on-one with clients in person and virtually. And then I know you're also teaching. You do a lot of things on the side as well. You work with groups of students and just lots of different people, right?
1: Yeah. So that's the education piece. So we Mm -hmm. have the training aspect and eat right nutrition works with general population weight loss clients all the way up to. I have competitors in the bikini and bodybuilding world that we work with. And then we have an education piece. That's the podcast is one part of that. We do workshops, lectures, and different education aspects of nutrition and health and fitness. Um, And then I have all my one-on-one clients that are my little fit family whom I love dearly and we're hoping that we're changing their life with real science, real facts, and real foods. That's our entire pitch.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Um, And you a thousand percent are, um, no doubt. So- like I was saying, I've learned so much from you and, and I'm really, I have to say, sometimes it makes me mad <laughs> because <laughs> I'm just mad that I didn't learn it so many years before. And so that's what I'm trying to help prevent other mm-hmm. people from experiencing, um, experiencing that. And so what I was really excited to talk about today are the multiple phases of fitness and I know you're gonna break this down. Fitness is a really broad category, so you're gonna break it all down for us. And I guess I'll give just like a tiny little backdrop of this, which is why this is a topic that's so near and dear to me and feels so important. When I was eighteen, I went on this massive weight loss journey. I get I hate that word journey, but whatever, I had a weight loss goal, a really big goal before I went to college. And work my tail off to achieve it. And I did. And um, and I noticed, you know, I met other people in college who had also done the same. They'd been a certain weight for a while, and then they had lost some weight. But what I noticed over time was that some people were able to keep it off. And it seemed effortless or more effortless, where they managed to keep it off. And I would meet them years later, and they had still kept off weight from that initial weight loss. Whereas I felt like it was a continuous struggle for me. And I was always, you know, very vigilant about calories, having to work so hard, always in dieting mode basically for a good 20 years Mm -hmm. until I learned to do something different. And that is just, it's just sad. It's a really sad reality. And I know I'm not alone. And had I met you 20 years ago, it might've spared me from (laughs) those 20 years of, of struggle. And so I want you to get into that, uh, you know, and how it is that we can cycle when we have different goals in terms of health and fitness, and how to successfully rotate through all those different phases.
1: Yeah. Well, first, let me just say that I think fitness and health has evolved so much. I mean, in the 20 years that I've been in the industry, we knew a lot of the things that we're going to talk about, but we didn't really know how to put them into practice, both from a coaching aspect and from a client aspect. So we're getting better and better at understanding how weight loss specifically works. And we know that fast weight loss does not last long. It's too quick um, and we need to learn to slow down. So that's the first thing I'll say. So as I've evolved as a coach, I myself has developed have developed these skills as a coach. So, if you met me 20 years ago, I got to be honest with you, I don't know if I would have known all the things that I know now. But well, I guess to that's be honest. Point. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> right. point.
0: That the science may not have been there, and the research may not have been there. And We now know, you know, things that we didn't know then. So maybe that's just yeah. life. But you now know a lot. So let's get into it. And what okay. do people need to know about the different phases of health and fitness? Okay, so the first
1: thing that I want to dive into is fitness, like you said at the beginning, is a broad word now. It used to just be what you did for cardio and what you did for exercise. And, and that's a broad, it can be anything from yoga to Pilates to strength training. But we now know that there are categories to fitness that are not only really important, but are the big dial movers in terms of creating change in a healthy lifestyle. So the four that we really focus on at e Nutrition is your cardiovascular health, strength and conditioning, your nutrition, and then lifestyle factors. And within each of those categories, there are subcategories. So cardiovascular health encompasses low intensity, moderate, high intensity, and then recovery. So you and I talk a lot about low intensity, which is something like an example that would be steps per day. Are you moving and just getting basic movement that becomes more and more important when we go up the categories in your fitness journey if you aren't moving per day then it makes it much harder you build your strength and conditioning much harder to focus on your nutrition and then lifestyle factors so they do all kind of intertwine so that's the cardio piece the second is your strength and conditioning and what we've learned about strength and conditioning which we have always known but i think people are really starting to pay attention to it now is that it is the fountain of youth if you are not preserving muscle, building muscle, maintaining muscle, working towards being stronger, you're really missing a big piece to your health and wellness. So strength and conditioning has four phases, endurance, hypertrophy, strength, and power. And I think from a, as a strength and conditioning coach, this is a big part that if you are not really aware of where you're starting from and how to progress in each of those phases, it can get frustrating. You can get kind of lost in the shuffle of where to progress to, how to do that. And I do believe that from a strength and conditioning standpoint, coaching is extremely important. Yeah. Can
0: we back up for a minute? Can you define those four things? Because I think not everybody is going to know what they are.
1: Yeah. So in an endurance phase is more of a beginner entry level to your strength and conditioning. Uh, Most people would understand this as maybe like low rep range, lightweight, um, and just building the endurance or enduring Strength and conditioning. And you want to be able to work on things like your mobility, your flexibility, um, proper form and alignment, technique. You really want to be able to do a lunge before you add load and make it heavier and more challenging. So that would be kind of an entry level phase. Then you have hypertrophy. Hypertrophy is your beginning stages of tearing down muscle tissue and rebuilding it to be stronger. And that is what we do when we are lifting weights. So rep ranges there would be anywhere from maybe eight, 10, 12 reps with the little heavier load and you're progressing to get heavier and working on building muscle tissue. Then you have strength. Now strength, people listening may you know know the term like um, a power lifter that's more on the power end, the next category, but someone that's really lifting heavy weights, the rep range is between maybe three to six reps, and you're really pushing some heavy loads. You can't do a higher repetitions, a very heavy load. So the loads are a lot, but the rep range is slow. And then you have the endurance, which I put more into the category of like, um, maybe athletic development or working on a skill. This would be more athletic. A lot of athletes will work on this for like a baseball player trying to work on the speed of his pitch or a tennis player trying to work on their serve. Um, Within each of those phases, you have to become really good at your endurance before you create hypertrophy. And you want your hypertrophy to be, you want to get strong enough to be able to go into a strength phase. And then you want to be, you want to be able to endure tear down tissue and create hypertrophy, become strong before you work on power. Now, again, within each of those four phases, they intertwine. You can work on power and endurance at the same time. You can work on strength and endurance at the same time. But how you put that together in a program is where strength and conditioning coaches like myself and trainers of the world are trying to help people navigate through what phase they're entering into, what how fast they're moving through those phases, and then you know based on the goal that they're trying to achieve where should they navigate and how should they navigate through
0: such a good example i say this all the time on the podcast but such a good example of why it's so valuable to bring in an expert, because we cannot expect ourselves to know all things about right. all the things, you know, we all have our areas of expertise and I wouldn't even begin to know how to build a program like this for someone. I could teach you maybe how to implement mm-hmm. it and how to create that time for it, but I wouldn't be even begin to know how to create this program. And that's why we need experts like you, because this is what you study and this is what you do. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So that's one aspect
1: of it. What's the next one? So we did cardio, we did um, strength and conditioning. So then the, the second or the third, excuse me, is the nutrition. And this is, you know me, I'm a huge nutrition person. This is the sweet spot. I think a lot of people miss this aspect of their or get very confused, I should say, by it. So within the nutrition, there are phases of nutrition. There's what we call a cut phase or weight loss for those people listening meaning you're eating less than you're burning or expending. Then there's maintenance phase, which is you're eating the same as what you're expending, meaning you're not changing your weight. Uh, Then there's a calorie surplus, which I know people think it's crazy, but there are people out there trying to eat in a small calorie surplus, meaning more than they expend. A lot of the times that would be someone who's in a strength phase and is trying to build strength. You have to feed your body in order to build muscle and gain strength. And then the fourth is what we call, and this is fairly new body recomposition, meaning you may not be um, trying to lose weight, gain weight, maybe more of a maintenance, but you're trying to work on your body composition, meaning burning fat and uh, gaining muscle without the weight necessarily changing. And a lot of the times in this space, we can work on something like your relationship with food and rebuilding maybe a support system around the goals that you're trying to achieve. So each of those phases have subcategories as well.
0: And I'll have to just speak to that last phase for a moment. I mean, it is just wild how much change you can create, even if your weight stays the same, you know, the mm-hmm. the the pictures and your body can look so different. So, so many people are so locked into the scale and so wed to the scale mm-hmm. and see that as the be all end all measure of what's happening. And it is so not, it's a great tool and Mm -hmm. in certain phases and for certain people, but it so does not tell the whole story. And in terms of body recomposition, you look at the pictures and someone's weight could stay exactly the same, but oh my God, you see how their body looks different, how they fit into clothes differently. And it's just amazing how you can create that kind of change without losing or gaining weight necessarily.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great the way you say it's a tool because it is, and it's a metric that we can, we can, in terms of how much you weigh, we can look at that as a metric to see where you are in terms of your goals. But I can give you seven different women that weigh 150 pounds and that all look completely different based on height, based on muscle tissue to fat ratio, based on where they store their fat to muscle ratio. I mean, I, that's a really, it's a big misconception that you have to weigh a certain amount to look good. Yeah. Gosh, I wish we had like a highlighter. We
0: could understand <laughs> that in audio.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay. So then the fourth phase would be lifestyle and lifestyle, again, fairly new. We now are talking about sleep, stress management, support, which I think is a really big piece. Like if you have a weight loss goal, who is around you helping support you? And that's not just the coach or the nutritionist or therapist maybe that you need to help get you through those things. We're talking about family, husbands, wives, spouses, children, Family members' support is a huge piece to helping you maintain the habit changes and the behaviors that you need to live this new healthy lifestyle that you're embarking on. Um, and then we go into things like career and stress management. You know, there's so many factors to lifestyle. Um, so within that lifestyle piece, you now have what we call a wellness program: cardiovascular, strength and conditioning, nutrition, and lifestyle. And the goal of a coach or someone that is helping you through this is to f- take a look at this big picture and figure out what's working. What are you doing really well that you can just kind of coast? Maybe you're really great at sleep and you don't have to worry about that. Maybe you have a really great relationship with food, so we don't have to worry about that. Maybe the strength and the cardiovascular needs some work. There's not, a, there's not enough time in the day, so you need to work on your time management. Um, and so that's part of the coaching process is taking that big picture and pulling apart the things that may be not as optimal and finding your strengths and finding maybe the not so optimal parts and lifting them up and just helping navigate through the challenges and chaos that go along with trying to create
0: lifestyle change or fitness goals or nutrition goals, whatever it is that you're looking yeah, at. It's so true. It's all interconnected. And I've worked with people, you know, I I don't. I don't create the plan. I I work on the how part of the plan. How do you do it? And I've worked with so many people in that fourth compartment, the lifestyle. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we've had to spend six months working on that and almost cleaning out the cobwebs and setting the stage for them to then be ready to even get into the nutrition program or get into the strength and conditioning and the exercise program. But, you know, Like for a lot of people, I think working just as an example, working shift work and having these crazy hours that impacts your sleep. And then when your sleep is off, everything is off. I I think that's a really difficult place to be when you're trying to work on health goals. And sometimes we have to address that first Mm -hmm. and either figure out how we're going to problem solve it, or maybe, you know, create some change in the work situation to be in a better place. That's just one example. And then sometimes there's just trauma and lots of old issues um, that we need to work through in order for someone to get to a place where they're feeling more optimistic and feeling more positive and saying, okay, yes, I can do this. I'm ready to to make it a priority and give it my all. So yeah. I love how you map that all out and how they're all totally interrelated. So let's talk a little bit about how do you navigate between all these phases and successfully reach the goals that you want and then go on to sustain your progress and live a life that's not dominated by dieting?
1: Yeah, well, that is the best question. And the short answer is that you have to take it one step at a time. So when you look at the big picture, you want to figure out again, where the not so optimal areas are. So we start there. So how you navigate through that is, I mean, if you're someone that does not exercise, we know that adding strength and conditioning and cardiovascular health is, like I said, the fountain of youth, that would be the place to start. So you want to start with the, the, the smallest goal for that would be maybe just walking daily. Like, I think one of the biggest problems with finding out how to navigate through is that we try so hard to create so many changes all at once that we have this all or nothing mentality. I'm going to work out five days a week. I'm going to do cardio every single day. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to meal prep. And you know, We make all these changes and then it becomes very overwhelming. And then we don't know how to navigate through what we really should focus on. So you want to take it one step at a time. What is the one thing you know you can do that is the easiest, has the lowest barrier of entry? It's easy to do. It's fun to do. Like there does have to be a fun aspect. And it also is going to help you to efficiently achieve your goal. So, you know, water intake from a nutrition standpoint, from a cardio standpoint, walking daily and strength training, maybe getting one to two strength training, 30 minute sessions in a week and setting those three very simple, basic aspects of habit and behavior change. And do that for three months. This is the other thing. People not only do too much too fast, they also then can't be consistent in doing those things. So you want to start off slow and set some simple goals that are easy to achieve because getting some wins under your belt
0: is the motivation to then continue to take action. Yeah, it really is. So, okay. So, So you start small, realistic, sustainable. Yes. And then where do you go from there? Well, then you just start
1: layering in the habits and layering in the aspects. So if you're comfortably doing, if you're walking, let's say 5,000 steps a day is your basic goal. That's your starting point. We know that anything under 5,000 steps a day from a step standpoint or a movement standpoint is considered sedentary. That's the sedentary lifestyle. So if you're hitting that and achieving that now, you are no longer sedentary. You've got 5,000 steps a day crushing life. You're starting to feel good. Maybe you're sleeping a little bit better. You have a little more energy. So now the next goal is instead of going from 5,000 to 15,000, which most people try and do, we go from five to 8,000. Maybe you do 8,000 three days a week, and the other four, you stay with the five. And then you gently layer in until you get to our optimal goal, which would be maybe 10,000 steps a day. Being patient with yourself allowing for setbacks, allowing for weeks that aren't going to be perfect. It's all part of the process, but the consistency of it is the most important piece. So as you layer that in, now you're doing 8,000 steps a day and you're training twice a week. Maybe you add a third day of strength training. Now you're good. We know three days a week of strength training is a baseline for building muscle and gaining strength. And then you stay there for three months. And then now you've got your water layered in. So you're doing steps, you're getting strength, you're getting your water in. Now maybe you track your protein goal, which we know is a huge piece to building muscle tissue, creating a good metabolic um, atmosphere for your body from a standpoint of building muscle and creating weight loss or fat loss. So now you've got steps per day, strength training, water intake, and protein, four of the basic fundamental aspects of creating epic life change. And then you live there. This is where we go from change phase to maintenance to more change to maintenance to a little more change to maintenance. Most people go from change phase to more change phase to all the changes at once. And then they fall down the stairs. They get to the bottom and they feel this horrible like sense of uh, lack of accomplishment. And then they go, this doesn't work. I'm not doing this. I suck.
0: It's so true. We, we, so many of us, and I know I have fallen into this trap too. We go pedal to the metal, you know, yeah. as, as you're mapping that all out, I'm thinking, yeah, but Nicole, I want to reach my goal in three months. Like what you're saying is going to take mm. a really long time. And mm-hmm. I I know this represents the majority of people who just, yeah. you know, when you decide you want to work on a goal, you want it to happen yesterday. And so, you know, you go all in and and many people can go crazy all in maybe not many some people can go crazy all in for a short period of time, but you can't possibly sustain it. And so then you give up and like you said, you kind of fall back down down the stairs, or you reach your goal and you think, okay, I'm done. Like I did the mm-hmm. work. Now I can just go back to what I was doing before. And then you undo all yes. of your results. And that's where I think the big missing pieces that people don't understand, okay, now what I met my goal and now what, but maybe I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but okay. So those, no, no, you're right. So those are the pieces of small goals. Be patient, Mm -hmm. take time to get comfortable with them one at a time, layer them in. I I love how you use that expression layer in one, one change at a time. And then where do you go from there? You just keep building. Mm -hmm. This is the thing. There's really no
1: magic you know, people are looking for the quick fix in the secrets. And we talk about this on the Eat My Nutrition podcast all the time. There are no secrets. It's all out there. Whatever you think is behind the curtain that you have to find out about for, it's already out. There's no one's hiding anything from you, except maybe your own awareness to whether or not you're being honest with yourself about what you're doing for your goals. Mm-hmm. But everything's out there. We already know what we need to do. And I always talk about the space between knowing and doing. So we know we need to walk more or become more active or drink more water or eat more vegetables, but doing it is the space between knowing and doing is where most of the negative self-talk and, you know, what we feel may not with the failure, or maybe not being able to do it as fast as we want to do it is where the the kind of static happens. So. Don't waste your time worrying about the static. Once you know what you need to do? The quicker you get to the doing, because people want fast results, you're right. Why can't I do it now? Well, you can, you can absolutely do it. If you do the work, you actually have to do the things like the water and the steps and the strength training in order to get there. And here's the other piece about fast results. As much as you put in, is as- what you will get back in results. Now, the body can only do so much. We're very hard on our systems. Not only do we want fast results, but we also want to get there fast and then stay there without having, like you said, to continue to do that, those behavior and habit changes. So there is no end. There is no goal end. If you have 10 pounds to lose, you have to change the way you function to get 10 pounds off. That's the new lifestyle. You now then have to live like that person who is ten pounds lighter, and so there's also a mindset piece to this that is very powerful. If you don't move, and then you start moving and you lose ten pounds, you now are a person that moves to maintain this weight.
0: Yeah, that's so I so, think that's so powerful. huge. Yeah, that that you have to use certain behaviors to get to the goal, but then you're not done. <laughs> you got to stay with them to maintain. Um, But I know there are some tweaks that you might make. So let's talk about that in a second. But I just wanted to really highlight what you said, which I know was something that was so valuable for me to learn, was the idea of defining the phase that you're in, defining the goal and defining the phase. Is your goal to lose weight for a period of time and then are you taking a break? You're just going to hang out, maintain, kind of consolidate the information and the habits. And then maybe you work on that goal again for another phase and then maintain and hang out that you, you, because the plan is going to change depending on what the goal is, the plan is going to change. So so you have to be really clear about what your goal is and what the plan or what the actions or behaviors are that correspond with that and that you will cycle between yeah. different ones.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest one is the weight loss, is weight loss, like you were describing at the beginning when you were young and went on this like journey to lose weight. And then it's not as easy to continue to do those things when we also have other layers. Talk about the lifestyle factors. When we're 18 or 20, listen, life is good. We're, you know, enjoying school, we're getting our first job, you know, there's not a lot of stress, there's not a lot of responsibility, but when you're in your 40s, and you have a family, and you're a mom, and I say to you all the time how impressed I am with this busy schedules and what kids have you know, for after-school programs and sports, you're layering in the stress piece on that lifestyle part that make it a little bit more challenging. I don't like the word impossible because I don't think anything is impossible, but it's definitely more challenging in terms of fitting it in. And like you said, time management and navigating through that. Um, So the phases may change. And I always use the example, um, when you're looking to lose weight, So say you have a 10 pound weight loss goal and you cut your calories. And we know that a small cut in calories, small. So for your listeners, a small cut in calories is 200 to 250, maybe 300 calories a day, which is a very small amount of calories. 500 would be more on the aggressive level if you had more weight to lose. And you're going to do that calorie, create that calorie deficit and do that for the next four to five months to get that 10 pounds off. Most people want to do it in 30 days is it possible? Yeah, sure. Anything is possible, but can you do that for the rest of your life to keep that off? That's debatable. And we know there's research when people create fast weight loss, they gain back just as fast as they lose, not because they can't keep it off, like physiologically, but from a behavior standpoint, Like you said earlier, they revert back to regular life because a lot of the times in order to get that off fast, they have to do very drastic things like cut calories very drastically and they can't maintain that. You can only do that for a short period of time. They also go into a state of malnourishment. So you're cutting calories. You're also, people do this all the time. No carbs. I can't even hear it. (laughs) Everybody knows if you listen to the Eat Right Nutrition podcast, I love carbohydrates. They're part of your lifestyle and everybody needs to be eating them at different levels. But taking them out completely is just, I mean, it's not necessary. You can just take a little bit off the top and do it for a little longer period of time. So you go through that cut phase, you lose that 10 pounds. You're strength training while you're doing it. You're getting your steps in per day. That's the baseline for your cut phase. And like you said, now I always have people stay there. Let's enjoy the 10 pound weight loss. Give your body a break. This is where there's an element of reverse dieting, as we call it. Where you live in maintenance for another, could be as short as two weeks, could be a month, and it could be as long as three months, as much as it, three to five months, as much as it took you to take it off. You stay in that same amount of time to maintain and get really juicy with your habits and your behaviors. Make sure that these are the things that you now know are the new lifestyle factors that you're going to continue to prioritize and implement. Then you can go in for another 10 pounds if that's what you want
0: right, let's back I'm going to jump in for a sec. We got to back up. Reverse, okay. reverse dieting. I need you to mm-hmm. define that because people don't know what that means. I need you to define that and explain that.
1: Okay. So reverse dieting is basically a term that we use to describe someone that has been in a diet phase for longer than, I would say three to six months. Okay. So for you, when you were young and you went onto this diet mentality and you cut, back and you lost weight. And you said you stayed there for 20 years, mm-hmm.
0: right? Didn't like stay at the weight for 20 years, but I tried to stay butt <laughs> for 20 years.
1: Right. And so most of the time, and women tend to do this, I'll be very honest, women tend to do this a lot more than men, but they diet down, cut calories, and they cut it aggressively. And they do that for a long period of time. When you do that, you're eventually going to hit a plateau. Your body stops losing weight because your body adapts now to this cal- lower calorie intake reverse dieting is to replenish and rebuild your metabolism and give your body a break from dieting down so that you bring your calories back up you basically reverse diet meaning if you were to take 300 calories and 500 then 700 and 800 you'd go backwards you'd go back up you you know, you go from the 800 calorie deficit to a 700 to a 500 to a 300, you bring yourself back up to maintenance, because you're no longer in that same calorie deficit once your body adapts to it. So reverse diet is bringing yourself back up, calorically, taking a break, living in maintenance. And most people fear doing that with the thought that if I reverse diet, I'm going to gain all the weight back. If it's done correctly, That will not happen because your body needs food and nourishment to come back up to a place where it can stay, be nourished, build muscle, metabolically be sound. Because when we cut calories down, we adapt or we downregulate thyroid hormone, our digestive system. For most women, their menstrual cycle, if it's too aggressive. So if you stay there for too long, you now stay in this constant state of diet and stress, and your body will never come out of that unless you cut more calories. And listen, I don't know any woman in the world that wants to eat less than a 1,000 calories a day it's miserable. I mean, if anybody out there is listening and has tried it, it's really difficult. And it's Mm -hmm. also very unhealthy to stay there for a long period of time. So the goal is to reverse diet, bring the food back up, enjoy living in, you know, a healthy state and a main, we call it maintenance. When you reverse diet, you're basically going back up to maintenance calories. And those maintenance calories may be different than they were prior because you've dieted down so much. When you lose weight, you lose that 10 pounds, then your basal metabolic rate may change your new calorie maintenance may be either higher or lower depending on the person and you want to adjust that. So if you get into this vicious cycle, and I've known plenty of female clients that will diet down for three years, get totally frustrated, nothing's working, they can't lose any more weight, they're exercising more and they're not burning more calories. And that's the other aspect of that energy deficit is not only do you cut your calories down, but you won't burn the same amount of calories when you work out if you're only eating 1,200 calories a day because your body needs those calories to function. So there's a small you know, amount left that you can actually burn when you exercise. So if you reverse diet and give yourself the calories back, you then will also, on the other end, burn more calories when you exercise. So the shift goes both on the energy in versus the energy out. And most women just focus on the energy in, meaning how much they're eating. Yeah,
0: it is complicated. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if people listening to this kind of feel like their head's spinning right now. and like, wait a minute, I can't keep track of all that. And so, again, I think it just underscores how helpful it is to work with someone who really understands this and can walk you through it and really simplify it. And just tell you what you need to do to reach the goals that you're working for because
1: it's complex. It really is. But here's the great, yeah, the exciting part about that though is once you learn about your body, because here's the thing I, I tell clients all the time one year is my minimum, three years is my sweet spot. And if I can have you longer than that, then it's a blessing. But once you learn in that one year of coaching, how everything in your body works and how your relationship with food is and all the things that you learn to change after that, honestly, most people go, okay, I understand this about my body. Cause you only have to worry about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you now take this on and you become a more educated person in terms of your health and wellness, your health and wellness. Cause all of these things, while we're talking about them are going to be so individual based on the person that. We could be talking about this today, but someone listening may be like, I, I completely different. My relationship with food is horrible and I really need help. Okay. Well then that's something we would work on as a prerequisite to weight loss, maintenance and all of the other phases that we're talking about.
0: Yeah. So, um, can you go over, you know, if someone wants to figure out, like they have no idea, I don't even know what my maintenance calories would be like where, you know, what does my body need right now? Can you go over the formula that you talk about on the podcast of how you can um, guesstimate about how much your, your body needs?
1: In terms of how many calories you should yeah. be eating per day, I always tell clients the simplest way to... There are calculators that you can find online. The, um, the T-D-E-E calculator.com is one simple way. You would have to know what your body fat is in order to use that calculator. But you can Google any how to figure out my calories per day. There's tons of stuff on the internet now. But if you want to skip calculating, take your body weight, your goal body weight. So say I'm 150 pounds, but I want to weigh 120 pounds. I would take the 120 pounds and I would multiply that by 12. And that would be my multiplier of how many calories a day I would need to eat. Um, That would be a baseline. That's one way to do it. Okay. Simple, simple math the real way to do this, to figure out you as the individual, and this is how I do this with all my clients, is to start journaling and tracking your food. Because even if I give you a number and I say, you have to eat 1500 calories a day. Well, if if you're eating under that, you have to work your way up to it. If you're already eating over that, then we need to create a deficit, but we might not be able to get to that deficit that quickly. We may have to go very slowly to get there. Or slowly to go up. So I always start with. So my fitness pal is one app that we use at Eat Right Nutrition. And a lot of the times I'll have clients completely zero out and I won't even give them calories per day. I'll just say, journal your food for the next 14 days and let's find out where you're eating in a ballpark. How many calories do you eat per day? And for some, you know, some women it'll be between 12 and 1500. Some women it'll be between, my sweet spot. Like I love women that are between 17 and 1900, depending on the person, obviously. Um, and then we can work on the math piece, finding out what you actually should ballpark be eating and then work on whatever the goal is to get there. So it's like, I feel like that's a dial mover. Like it, it can really depend on where you're starting. Yeah. So if someone is, if I calculate their They're 100, but they're eating 3,200. Well, I'm not going to slash them down to 1,700 right away. We're going to work on uh, really working on cleaning up quality of food and what they're eating and how many times a day and nutrient density. And we're going to educate them on their food. If their goal is 1,700 and they're eating 1,200, I'm not going to jack them up to 1,700. First of all, they probably won't feel comfortable eating that. But that also, if you do it too fast, you will gain weight. Like we have Mm -hmm. to be honest, right, with clients. So I'll say, okay, let's clean up your food. It's the same strategy. Clean up your food, find out what you're missing. Maybe they need more protein. Maybe they need healthier carbohydrates and we work them up to the goal. So the short, the short answer is it really depends on the person and um, what they're trying to achieve.
0: But yeah. that's a very simple way to do it. Yeah, that's a good explanation. And it occurs to me that maybe we should say, you know, I know there are some people out there who don't want to get this technical, like who don't want to count calories. Some people love it. Some people hate it and say, I will never, ever again do it. And some people might say, wow, I don't really know a lot about that. I would need you to teach me that, but I would be open to learning. So do you want to just speak a little bit to the person who does not want to count calories, but can also still be in different phases and work on different goals?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There are a million ways, truly a million ways to do to create and track your progress. So if if I mean we I have to be honest on one end. If you really are trying to create change, you do have to be honest with yourself. So it can be as simple as are you getting 3 meals per day? That's question number 1. With each of those meals, are you getting a palm of protein, a fist of vegetables? at three of those meals. Simple. You don't have to track, count, anything. Just answer those three questions. Are you eating three meals a day? Are you getting protein? And are you getting vegetables? That's it. Start there. Because if you aren't doing those three, then you're probably under eating. If you're eating more than three meals per day, snacking in between meals, having crackers, extra, you know, um, extra calories after dinner, snacking in front of the TV, you're probably eating too many calories. So if you don't want to track numbers, that's totally fine. And to be honest with you, the goal for tracking is just one stepping stone. It's about an education. So if tracking helps educate you on what you need to change, the goal then is learn, get in there, find out what you need to know, and then get out and focus on your plate. Oh, I'm so glad you
0: said that because I forgot all about that piece that yeah, the goal is not to be obsessive about tracking and attached mm-hmm. to MyFitnessPal for the rest of your life and only eating no. places where or packaged foods because you know you can track exactly. Scan it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the goal is to learn what you need to learn, really educate yourself on nutrition and what's going in, and then integrate that kind of just um, just learn it and know it, and then get back to eyeballing and just kind of. Intuitively, practice, yeah. yeah, yeah, get back to
1: practice, so no no, no one wants you attached to an app and tracking. no one, even when I did a bikini show, i did I tracked for I think maybe sixteen weeks total, so because I had a very, very heavy goal. this was serious. I couldn't mess around. I can't kind of sort of my portions. I had a goal. So that's the thing you have to keep in mind Once I learned what I needed to do, I stepped away. And I didn't track my food after that. I did it for the 16 weeks. Maintenance phase, this is another part of maintenance phase, is to let go of all of the tracking and practice. Just practice. Can you maintain these strategies and these habits and feel really good about it? Because the one thing about tracking that I will say is if it causes you stress, it's not worth doing. And and for everybody that's different. I say the same thing about like, fitbits and apple watches and even tracking your steps if you're constantly looking to see if everything is going well it might be too stressful step away there are a million ways to figure out if things are working and listen at the end of the day if you fear if you wear a pair of jeans that are tight and you don't want to really track anything If the genes are getting less tight because you're eating three meals a day, getting your protein and hitting your vegetables, and you're not counting calories, sounds like things are working to me. You don't have to overthink it. So, you know, the spectrum of where you're starting, how you're getting there, and then, you know, the end of that result will not only cycle, but you should get better every time you're doing it so that you don't have to worry about it as much.
0: That's why I love your approach so much that you you really embrace the science and the nitty gritty and the being really intentional about your plan to get to the goal. But then you balance that with the reality of life and getting to a comfortable place that's not stressful, where you're not overly consumed with your food and your food choices. And you're just living a good life and being healthy and feeling really good about your body. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So, okay. I think we covered, this was so, so good. I think we covered all of the topics we wanted to cover. Do you want to kind of boil it down to three tips on how you navigate through all these different phases? I'm sure. I think we did an entire
1: podcast episode on uh, Eat Right Nutrition and it was called Time, Consistency, and Patience. And this episode encompasses a lot of the things we talked about today and The tips around everything that we talked about today would be to pick a time period that you want to achieve a goal. 30 days is not a time period. Three months is not a time period. So your minimum would be six months to a year. Within that realm, that would be an effective slow down, okay? I know everybody wants goals fast, but slow down. So time would be the first tip. Be realistic about it. Be good to yourself about it. Be honest with yourself about it. If you have a busy lifestyle, six months may be a really great place to start. And and you can do it in a way where the second tip, which is consistency. If you pick a time period that's doable and you consistently do it within that time period, you will get that goal in the, the six month time period that you set for yourself because you're doing it consistently. And then the third tip would be to be patient. Like I know everybody wants results, but our bodies don't work that way. Building muscle takes time. Losing weight takes time. Building healthy habits and healthy behaviors take time. So if you aren't willing to give yourself the time to do it, be consistent about the goals that you set for yourself and be patient with yourself to achieve the goal You're going to waste the six months going back and forth, losing weight for 30 days, gaining it for 30 days, losing it for 30 days, gaining that, and then another 10 pounds back for 30 days. Now that's four months you just wasted going back and forth, rushing the goal, maybe not being as consistent because the goal is too fast and not being patient with yourself to get to the goal. So you're going to waste the six months anyway. You might as well slow down and be good to yourself and be consistent with the small changes that you know you can do over a period of time and be really patient and, and happy. Like one of the things that makes me super sad about fitness and wellness goals is that one, people rush it, but two, they are miserable during it. And it just breaks my heart to think that you have to walk around feeling awful to be able to get the goal. Now, is it gonna be hard? I'm not saying that it's not gonna be hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that some days aren't gonna be tough. But miserable is different than challenging, right? And you have to have a sense of humor and, you know, have a great support system of, you know, friends and family that will laugh with you and get you through the tough days and um, continue to, to to show love and support in a positive way, because they want you here, and we want you here and this is a lifestyle long term health and wellness goal to make sure you're living your best life so-
0: well i think that's a really great place to end because that says it all that that is really the ultimate goal and you know as i'm listening to you it, i it, i know it goes against a lot of i've come a long way with this but it goes against a lot of how i have felt in the past And I have a feeling it goes against what a lot of other people felt in the past. And it's just so helpful to hear it's okay to take it slow and, and be realistic and just calm down about all of it (laughs) and have fun and think about the big picture and the long-term goal. And I have to just give another little, um, shout out to get the support, you know, find someone who can really teach you and be a guide for you because sometimes it's just really hard when you're on the inside. It's very emotional, you know. Anything yep. pertaining to food and body it has a lot of emotions tied into it and sometimes we get blinded by them and it is so helpful to have an outside person working with you on all of the different pieces that are involved. So, I know Nicole, you've been such an incredible gift to me and thank you for sharing all of this amazing information today. It was so helpful. I hope everybody else learned a lot. Maybe you were taking furious notes. Um, Go back, listen to it again, if you need to. And just, um, Nicole, thank you again for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, before we forget, um, if people want to learn more about Eat Right Nutrition, where should they find you? Oh, eat right nutrition. So we are, you can go to eatrightnutrition.com. So it's E A
1: T R I T E nutrition, or you can go to, um, we have a, uh, eat right nutrition following on Instagram. So it's at eat right nutrition, E A T R I T E nutrition. Um, we do a lot of educational videos and links to the podcast. If anyone would like to listen,
0: the podcast is amazing. I have learned so much you know not only from you but also from the podcast on you know the hard science and i know i like to understand the why behind all mm. of this and so it really helps me um you know you guys are really good about referencing the the literature on it and as a scientist myself i really value that you know understanding how the studies were done and why it is that we think the way we do you know about whatever the recommendations are and just really understanding all the context and the background behind it um and the science behind it so definitely for everyone listening check out the podcast it is amazing you will learn a lot from nicole and darone so thanks again and nicole and thanks everyone for listening today i hope you loved it and um learned a lot from nicole and i'll be back next week with another episode thank you for joining me for another episode of healthy habits for life If you love today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.